Good morning, 10 o'clock crew. I've been kind of excited to see, like, how's this all going to sift out? Who's going to be the really committed 8.30 people and the so-so committed 10 o'clock and, you know, the slackers that are going to be coming in an hour and a half or so. I've been really excited about this series. Um, Probably the reason is, is as I looked at it, I just thought if there was ever a series that I think has the potential to bring about the kind of transformation in individual lives and in our church as a whole and even see ripple effects across our valley, it would be this series. Because we're going to be talking about how do we engage the God of the Bible? And as I've been praying around this and for this, uh, I've been praying something that I hope you understand by the time this series is over. I've been praying that you would not fall in love with the Bible. The goal of this series is not to have you fall in love with the Bible. But friends, I want you to fall in love with the author. I want you to fall in love with the God who wrote this. Because it's an amazing story. From Genesis all the way to Revelation, it's this amazing story where God chooses to reveal himself to us. As we read the pages of scripture, we start to understand who is God? What is God like? How does God view me? What is this this drama, this story that's taking place in the world right now? And the Bible helps us understand what is my place in that story? Friends, we need to hear God's voice in the scriptures. We need to learn how to engage with him. A half century ago, there was a world-renowned opera singer that ran into big trouble. All of a sudden, he came to the place where he couldn't hit certain notes, certain tones. Throughout his whole career, they had always been within his vocal range, but suddenly, he couldn't hit these notes any longer. Now, I can't hit notes, but that's no big deal. I'm not an opera singer. But for him, it was everything. It was his livelihood. He went to every specialist, every ear, nose, and throat specialist, tried to find out what is going wrong. And every one of them said, it's a vocal problem, but we don't know what it is. Out of desperation, he ended up in the office of Dr. Tomatis, an otolaryngologist. Now, aren't you impressed that I just said otolaryngologist? Like, thank you, thank you. I've been practicing for three days on that and nothing. You guys are such a tough crowd. But Dr. Tomatis, he had a different theory about what was going on with this opera singer. Here's what he did. He started to run some tests, and here's what he found. Even the average opera singer has the ability to create a sound wave within one meter in front of them at 140 decibels. Just to give you a little perspective, that is a little louder than a military jet taking off from an aircraft carrier. How amazing is that? But also, as they hit those high, powerful tones, the sound inside of their skull can actually even sound louder than that. This discovery led to a diagnosis of this opera singer. He had actually deafened himself by the sound of his own voice. And here's what we know. If your ear can't hear a note, your your voice can't say 
a note. Fundamentally, what had happened to him is that he had a hearing problem, but his problem was misdiagnosed. Friends, do you think maybe, just maybe, you've got some problems in your own life that are misdiagnosed? And actually, all you're doing is you're just treating the symptoms for a problem that you don't actually have. You're not treating the root cause. Could it be possible that some of the emotional problems that you have, some of the relational problems that you have, and maybe even some of the spiritual problems that you have are because you have a hearing problem. A hearing problem because you have been deafened, deafened to the voice of God in your life. Because there's so many other voices in your life that are shouting at 140 decibels that you've been deafened to the voice of God. Voices like our culture that shout into our ears, this is what matters in life. You've gotta chase these things. These are the things that are gonna make you successful. So loud that they've deafened us to the voice of God. The voice of conformity shouts into our ears so loud that all we're hearing is, I've gotta fit in. I've gotta be like everybody else. I've gotta do the things that everybody else is doing. The voices of condemnation. Voices that say, you're never gonna amount to anything. You don't matter. You're just an imposter. The voices of comparison, the voices of criticism that shout out, you're not good enough. You're a failure. These voices shout at 140 decibels into our life and they drown out the voice of God. And it's our inability, friends, I believe, to hear God's voice is the problem that causes us to lose our way in life. Learning to hear God's voice and to learn to respond to him in obedience, this is not only the cure to probably a thousand problems in our life, but it also answers the most significant questions that every one of us is asking in our life. Questions that our soul needs the answers to. Questions like, who am I? Who am I? Why am I even here? Does my life have any meaning? Does my life matter? Friends, your soul is gonna search for answers to those questions. I mean, you can do your best do your best to try to distract yourself and numb yourselves to these questions, but your soul will always seek the answers to those questions. But the question that I have for us, is the right voice answering those questions for you? Is the right voice defining all of reality for you? I want you to leave here today believing Believing that God is speaking to you. God is speaking to you and he wants you. God wants you to hear him. In fact, learning to hear the voice of God and discern it from all the other voices in this world and hearing and responding to his voice is what it means fundamentally 
to be a follower of Jesus. The normal life of a Jesus follower is someone who just moment by moment is listening for the voice of God in their life. His promptings, those little promptings, those little nudges in our life, those convictions that come into our heart when we know that there's something wrong, those ideas that even seemingly sometimes come out of nowhere, these thoughts that pop into our mind sometimes. God wants to speak to us and he wants us to follow him in obedience. In fact, when Jesus was explaining to his disciples what it meant to be his father, he used a metaphor to help them understand this idea of hearing his voice. In John chapter 10, he spends a lot of time talking about this metaphor of a shepherd and a sheep. And here's what he says about the shepherd and the sheep. He says, this is how you know my sheep. This is how you know if a sheep belongs to me. They hear my voice. But not only do they hear my voice, they listen to me. And Jesus also said this, and this is my favorite part. It says, I call them out by name. Jesus isn't just shouting out there, calling out to sheep in general. He's calling out to you. He knows your name. He wants you to hear him. He wants to speak to you. And he says, my sheep, they know my voice. And they discern it from all the other voices. He says, if a stranger tries to call to my sheep, they don't listen because they don't recognize it. They will never follow a stranger because they've learned to hear my voice. What Jesus is telling us is as we choose to follow him, we can actually learn to hear his voice. We can actually learn to start to discern his voice from all these other voices that are shouting into our life. But, there's always a but, isn't there? But if we, need, if we learn to discern, if we're going to learn to discern the voice of Jesus, the voice of God in our life, we've got to learn to hear This is what the scripture says. In the Old Testament, when God calls Elijah and he wants to talk to Elijah, this is what he says. First Kings 19. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. The Lord said, I want to talk to you, Elijah, ready or not, here I come. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper, a whisper. And Elijah knew that was God's voice. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. God speaks in whispers. God didn't speak in the spectacular in this case. He could have. If we read the pages of the Bible, we see that God sometimes does speak in the spectacular. 
but God's normal voice to us, his day-to-day voice with us is a whisper. Those little nudges, those little promptings. When his spirit brings conviction into our life about something that's going on in our life, those little thoughts, those little ideas sometimes that seem like they come out of nowhere, God speaks in whispers. But why not shout? Why wouldn't God want to shout? I mean, if you really want someone, if you really want someone to hear you, if you really want to get their attention, you would shout, wouldn't you? I mean, isn't that what we do as parents? Maybe not great parenting, but sometimes when we really want our kids to hear something, we raise our voice, we firm our tone, because we want to be heard. Why wouldn't God shout? Because I think that there's something that God wants that's even bigger than just getting his point across to us. Friends, God wants us. He wants to know us. And now think about a whisper. Now just think, I've, I've got a microphone, so it's a little bit cheating right now. You can all hear me. But if someone in the back, I see Grant way there in the back. But if I said, Grant, I wanna, I wanna tell you something and I wanna whisper it to you. What would that require Grant to do? I feel bad because I see Grant's got his crutches back there. It'd be really hard for him to walk up here. But Grant would need to walk all the way up to the front. I'd need to say, Grant, come here. And as he got close, I'd wanna pull Grant close to me. I'd wanna get his head right up next to my head and lean my head in and I would whisper into his ear. That's what it takes for a whisper. We've got to draw near. If God wanted to just shout at us, he could shout at us from a distance. But God, friends, he wants us to come near to him. This is how the brother of Jesus said it in James 4. He said, come near to God and he will come near to you. James is saying, this is what you gotta do. Don't let there be distance. Take a step. Move toward him. God will move toward you. Move toward God because he wants to pull you close. He wants to pull your head into his chest so that you can hear his heartbeat, so that you know what he's about and he can whisper into your ear. God wants to whisper to you. But if we're gonna be able to hear whispers in our life, Not only do we need to move toward God, we've got to figure out how do we quiet all the noise that's going on in our life, all the background noise, all the white noise in our life. I love how the psalmist said it, Psalm 4610. He says, be still. Maybe just take it, just be, just be, be still and know that I am God. When the Bible uses that word know, it's not talking about an intellectual knowledge of something. It's talking about an experience of something. God says, be still so that you can experience my presence, that you know that I'm there, that it's quiet enough between you and me that you can hear my heartbeat. Be still and know that I am God. Have you ever tried to quiet a loud room? Like if you came in and 
You guys were all just talking amongst yourself. Have you ever tried to quiet a loud room? This happens almost every week at my missional community. Everybody comes in and we're getting ready to eat meals and there's all these conversations going on. A lot of people in a small space. And then it comes to the place where I've gotta pray for the food. So I've gotta get everyone's attention. Intuitively, what I think I need to do is be like, hey, all right, guys, everybody be quiet. Everybody be quiet. You know what happens? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Maybe it's because I'm a cruddy leader. I don't know. But nothing happens. And I don't want to be that guy that's like, hey, shut up so we can pray. (laughs) I don't want to be that guy. But you know what you do to quiet the room? This works every time. All I have to do is go, shh. It's the most amazing thing. As I do that, quietly, the people around me start to be quiet and it just this ripple effect in the room. And within a matter of seconds, the room is completely quiet. It's the most counterintuitive thing in the world. I think that's what God wants to do with us. He wants our attention. But he's not gonna just scream and scream and scream at us in life. He has an outside voice and he's willing to use it, but I don't think he wants to. He wants to say, shh, be still. Be still and know that I am God. Now I'm gonna take a little bit of a risk right now and what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna make a huge sweeping generality about every person in the room and there's gonna be about three of you that are like, that's not me. Okay, it's not you. But here's my sweeping generalization. Your life, my life, is too loud. Your schedule, my schedule, is too busy. In fact, I'm imagining that there's some people in this room right now that are like, yeah, come on, preacher guy, get this thing going. I got some stuff to do. Get to your point. I'll get to my point. God wants to quiet our voice. He wants us to learn to be still. And if we want to hear him, Friends, we have got to learn to do this. And of all the things that I'm gonna challenge you and ask you to do today, this is by far the most difficult thing that I'm gonna ask you to do. But you need to create a place in your life and a pace in your life that allows you to slow down and be quiet, to learn to be still and to know that he is God. Because in this series, what we're gonna do is we're gonna be talking about the Bible and how do we engage the God of this Bible. And this is what I believe to be true is that God wants to speak to us and he wants to whisper to us from his scriptures. In fact, this is how Paul said it when he was writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.16. He says this, all scripture, all of the word, all of scripture, everything that we have here is God breathed. It is God breathed. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Paul's saying everything that we have here, it's the breath of God. It's the whisper of God. The very def- just get on Google. Google, what's the definition of a whisper? It says to speak in a low voice using and not your vocal cords. God is speaking to us in his scripture 
in whispers. Are we going to hear him? Are we going to hear him? He is speaking. Are we going to hear him? And friends, this is what I'm hoping happens. Not only just today, but in the days going forward as a result of this series. And not just during this series, but forever. In the ripple effects of what we do here. What I want is for every one of us to say, wherever I'm at on my spiritual journey, I want to learn how to discern the voice of God in my life better. And even if you're out there and you're just thinking, that just sounds nuts. I don't think God talks to me. Just try. Will you just try with us? Because I believe that there's some people in this room right now that you've read the Bible all your life. You know more of the Bible than I know. But just because we read the Bible and know the Bible doesn't mean that we're hearing God's voice in the scriptures. And I also believe that there are people in this room that are like, I can't believe I landed here today. They're talking about hearing the voice of God. This just sounds crazy. I don't have a Bible. I've never opened the Bible. I'm not even sure that I believe in the God of the Bible. I wanna tell you, God wants to speak to you too. And God can speak to you. So here's what I want, Journey. This is what I've been praying, is that whatever level it is, that every one of us would just put our hand in the middle. And then we would say, together, we're gonna do this. We are gonna engage the scriptures. We're gonna engage the God of the scriptures. We're gonna learn better in our life how to discern his voice and how to respond to him in obedience. How are we gonna do that? Here's what we're gonna do. Here's the equipment that we need, all right? First of all, no surprise here, we need a Bible. If you do not have a Bible, there's a Bible on a table on the way out. We will give it to you. It's not even stealing. You can just have it. We need a journal, a simple thing that we can write down something in, that we can write down the things that we sense that God might be saying to us from the scriptures. If you don't have a journal, again, we've got a journal for you on the way. And it's really cool. Look at that. It says Journey Church on it. This is what we're going to do together. Grab a journal. Another piece of equipment that you need is a pen to simply write down in said journal the things that we sense that God is saying to us. The pen is important to me. What I've seen in my life, what I've learned, is that when I hold a pen in my hand as I approach the scriptures, it's a symbol of expectancy to me. When I've got that pen, it's like, God, I believe that you can speak to me, and I'm waiting, God, speak. Have a pen with you. Have a plan, a simple reading plan. We've got some of those out at the info table as well, a printed one. You can go online and get one. You can use our app to get the reading plan. We've got a reading plan to help you engage the scriptures each day. But I'm gonna go back to something that I said because the most difficult thing that I'm gonna ask you to do is to create that place and that pace every day where you start to quiet down everything else in your life so that you can hear the voice of God. But find that place, find that pace. And here's what we're gonna ask you to do. This is on the bottom of your notes page. It's simply what we call the Discovery Bible Study. It's an opportunity for you to just simply read the scriptures and spend some time reflecting on what it is that God might be saying to you from the scriptures. So you've got your Bible, you've got your pen, you've got your journal, you've got your reading plan. One other thing I want you to have is a friend. A friend that you can get together with maybe once a week and just share. These are the things that I sensed that God was speaking to me from his word. And it might even be getting together with that friend and just saying, I don't know, I didn't hear anything. 
I'm not sure that I'm hearing anything. This is what I wrote down to encourage one another. Have that friend. But each day, sit down, read a portion of scripture and simply write down to start with, what am I thankful for? And then read that portion of scripture and start to ask these simple, simple questions. It's not about the quantity that you read. In fact, I would say read less, reflect more. Spend more time thinking about these questions than reading. The discovery questions like, what happens in this passage? Just simple observations. What do I see? What's going on here? What does this passage teach us about God? If I were just to look at this, what kind of things would I learn about what God is like? What does this passage teach us about people, which we are one of? What does this teach us about me? And then in obedience, in light of the things that I'm seeing here, is there anything in my life that I would need to change? How does this change how I would see God and relate to him? How does this passage change how we would treat others? How does this passage change how we live? What are other questions that I have about this passage? And the last piece, don't pass this up. Who can I share this with? Who is a friend that I could talk with about the things that they're hearing? This is what I've noticed as I've done this over time. Sometimes the things that I hear are actually for somebody else. And sometimes as we're sharing about what we're hearing, the things that God said to them, I think are for me. And God uses that together. Have a person. Have that journal, have a pen, have your word. And then just ask those questions. Just sense, God, is there, is there a way that you're nudging me? Is there some kind of a, a prompting that's coming to my mind? Don't try to evaluate everything that's coming to your mind. Just write it down. Is there a thought that's coming to my mind, an idea? Is there, am I convicted about something? Is there something that I sense that I need to change in my life? And have your pen. Be expectant. Expect that God's gonna speak and write down the things that are coming to your heart and your mind. Because you never know what God may wanna speak to you out of the most obscure thing that you're reading in scripture. A New Year's Day, as we started our new reading plan here at Journey, I got up that morning and just to, just, it's always kind of fun to start fresh and new things. And this year, I'm gonna just kind of focus on the New Testament portion of our reading. And so I went to the Matthew section. Matthew 1, 1 to 17. Genealogies. Great. Genealogies. In my mind, I kind of just thought, I'm just gonna call this in. Maybe tomorrow there'll be something exciting. But I grabbed my pen and I just said, God, is there something that you would want to say to me? And I read through the genealogies. You know what that's like. So-and-so is the father of so-and-so is the father of so-and-so. And I mean, I can't even pronounce them, much less I don't even know the story behind each one of those people. But there was something that caught my eye this time. I was looking at it and every once in a while there was a, a parenthesis. And it wasn't just talking about the father. It was talking about the mother five different times in the genealogies, it didn't just talk about the father, it says, whose mother was blank. So I just began to jot down the names of the women that were talked about in this scripture. Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, Mary. And I started to just reflect a little bit. What, what is the story behind each one of these, why would this be included? And I didn't remember all the details about Tamar, so I had to go back to Genesis 38 and don't have time to unpack that. But this story of Tamar, 
because of brokenness and abandonment in her life. Her father-in-law was Judah, one of the 12 sons of Israel. Her father-in-law was Judah, but because of abandonment by that family, she makes a decision that she is gonna pose as a prostitute. Judah solicits her as a prostitute, not knowing that it's her, sleeps with her, they have a baby. This baby is in the lineage of Jesus. You know, that story isn't in most children's storybook Bibles for obvious reasons. Rahab. Rahab didn't pose as a prostitute. She was a prostitute. But she also had incredible faith in God. And her son was in the lineage of Jesus. Ruth. She wasn't even an Israelite. She wasn't a Jew. Came from the Gentile nation. The Gentile nation of Moab. The Moabites. One of the most pagan cultures out there. The things that they did to worship false gods would make your stomach turn. Ruth. In the lineage of Jesus. Uriah's wife Bathsheba. It's probably a more familiar name to most of us. Committed adultery with King David when he seduced her. That brought her into his family. He took her as his wife after he killed her husband, Uriah. And they had a son together out of that relationship in the lineage of Jesus. And there was Mary. Think about Mary. Maybe not so scandalous in a certain way, but her story was scandalous for the time. She had a baby. She was not married at the time that she got pregnant. It was scandal at that time. I started to reflect on just the women of the genealogies. And I just started to see this trail of broken lives, this trail of broken stories, this trail of unlikely candidates. And I just thought these stories of scandal are actually stories of God's grace. Because what I began to see was God, God took this, even in the genealogy, he shows us, he took all these threads of scandal and he weaved them together to create the lineage that was gonna bring the savior to the world. I started to think about my own life. What's in the trail of my own life? Scandal, brokenness, things that I just wouldn't want everyone in this room to know. But as I sat there, I just thought God kept saying to me, Bob, I can take those threads of scandal in your life, just like I did in the lineage of, I can weave them together. I can make a tapestry. I can make something beautiful out of that with your life. And I sat there, went on a walk later that day, and I found myself just walking and weeping, thinking, I hope nobody sees me gonna look awfully silly but as I walked and I wept I thought God there's grace God there's love God there's hope even for me even for my there's hope for everyone and then I just kind of backed up I was starting to think about this was in the genealogies friends God can't help but scream his grace his love and his hope even in the genealogies he's got to put some parentheses in there Say, look at my love, look at my hope, look at my grace. You never know 
what God wants to speak to us from his scriptures, how he wants to change us on the inside. Let's do it, friends. Let's put our hands in the middle and just say, God, what might you do? What might you do? How might you speak to me? Let's get better at it. Wherever we're at on that journey, let's just get better at it. Because I believe with everything in me, I believe all, all the way to my toes, God wants to speak to you. God is speaking to you. And he wants you to slow down your life and to listen. But there are times, there are times when God shouts. God will shout. Matthew records a story in the New Testament where God shouted at the very end of Jesus' life, Matthew 27. We see the picture of Jesus on the cross. He's there not because of anything he had done, but he's there because he is willingly sacrificing his life to pay the penalty for sin that we deserved. He's dying in our place. And the text tells us that Jesus shouted. He shouted in a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When the father turned away and Jesus took upon himself the sin of the world on our behalf. And then Matthew says, Jesus shouted again and he gave up his spirit, meaning that he died. But then Matthew gives us a little detail about what happened next. What happened when God shouted? He says, the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. The curtain in the temple was torn. Incredibly meaningful because that curtain in the temple, it separated the holy place from the most holy place. Nobody was able to go into the most holy place, the holy of holies. Only once a year, the high priest would go in there just simply to make sacrifice for sin for the sake of the people. But that curtain was torn from heaven to earth. Meaning that there was a way. There was a way in. No longer did we have to be distant from God because Jesus yelled, the curtain was torn and we are able to draw near. God shouted. Yes, God shouted. But he did it because he wanted to whisper. He wanted to, us to be able to draw near so that he could whisper to us. I wanna just ask you to set your things aside and just go to a posture of prayer and just ask yourself right now, talk to God and just say, God, is there anything that you want me to take away from this today? God, I just wanna say thank you that you speak. I'm so thankful that you want us to learn to hear your voice and to respond to you and to follow you. And you want to speak into the deepest places of who we are so that we know who we are. We know what life is about. We know that we matter. Not because we say so, but because we're hearing you say so. God, I just want to pray over my friends that are here right now. God, I do believe that our lives are too noisy. 
God, would you show us? Would you give us the courage to figure out a way to make a place in our life and a pace in our life where we can hear you? God, we want to get better at it. We want to tune our ear to you. We don't want to miss anything. God, thank you for this time. God, speak to our hearts. We love you and we trust you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.